NFT? No. <laughs> Something finance. I have no clue. Um, no. <laughs> Do you? National Federation of something. <laughs> I have heard it, but I'm trying to think now. It's, I'm getting a blank in my mind at the moment. Non-fungible token. It's a way to sell graphics or 3D models with cryptocurrencies. There is a lot of talk about NFTs at the moment. But when it comes to explaining what they are, things get a bit foggier. So today we're taking a closer look at them and trying to understand why and how companies should seek to protect their brands within the digital realm. Welcome to the MIP podcast. I'm Max Walters, senior reporter here at Managing IP. The next couple of episodes are in partnership with Zacco, one of the largest IP protection firms in Europe. The sales of NFTs have seen incredible growth over the last couple of years, from 95 million in 2020 to almost 25 billion the following year. So, what are they, I hear you ask? Most people we talked to didn't know. But one guy got it right. NFT stands for non-fungible token. Non-fungible simply means that they are unique, that they can't be interchanged with something else. Currency is fungible. If you have a £1 coin, you can trade it in for another £1 coin, and you'll end up with the same thing. A painting is non-fungible. If you trade the Mona Lisa for your neighbour's painting of his house, clearly you don't end up with the same thing. NFTs are logged and authenticated on cryptocurrency blockchains and can be any kind of digital content, from music to drawings to memes. But as more and more companies are looking into this, it's an important time to point out that the NFT market is very much the Wild West at the moment. It's still largely unregulated. So, to get a better understanding of how these NFTs are and could be used, and how you can protect your digital assets and the legal intricacies of it all, I'm joined by Thomas Mosgard and Hampus Adlerton, both intellectual property experts at Zacco, the IP protection firm I mentioned earlier. Hampus and Thomas, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Let's start with what I hope will be a simple question for you guys. Why should businesses care about NFTs? Hampus, let's start with you. Uh, Max, I think you had a very good uh, presentation what an NFT is in the intro. Uh, I would like to emphasize again that it, an NFT is a digital file. It's recorded on the blockchain and it's linked to some sort of underlying asset. And since it also expands to physical objects, but in a digital format, it becomes very interesting for companies that are active in the physical world to, to use them also in the digital world. Okay, so why is it important for businesses to be able to do that? You can verify the ownership of the NFT, which makes it very suitable for trade. And uh, the purposes of most businesses is to trade, and preferably with a profit. So, so this is the real interesting for, for companies. And in some sense, it is also possible to use an item that does not hold an IP protection in itself and convert it to an NFT and actually make it unique. And then you can sell it. And if we look at traditional businesses that has physical products, 
it's a lot to like about this NFT because if you have your existing product and you do something with it and suddenly you have a new product and you can target it to a new segment of the market in a digital trade channel and it doesn't cost that much because you don't need any factories. You just need to make the code and put it on the blockchain. It's not without cost, but it's much less than actually owning a factory and producing the product. So obviously, it's quite a complex nature behind NFTs. So when did they start appearing on, on your radar at Zacco? And do you find yourself having to um, sort of explain to clients the kind of bare basics before you get into proper legal advice? Um, Thomas, what, what's your take on this? So back in uh, 2020, it was something that was a bit abstract and uh, people couldn't see any, any benefits from it. Going into 2021, it was more of a topic. People were being yeah, uh, a bit hesitant. Should they actually um, invest in this? And what would the best strategy to apply? What could you actually do to expand your business options? Should you combine physical, perhaps multiple uh, items of something with the NFT, multiple NFTs? Um, would you actually set up some kind of scheme that would involve developing some kind of following, um, some kind of yeah, metaverse perspective that would actually be the one that will tie down things going forward? And those were the considerations that we actually saw at the forefront. Before we move on, we've heard everyone talking about this, but can you just explain in your own words what the metaverse is? A metaverse, that's an online presence with avatars, just to put it very simple. And the metaverse as such doesn't exist, at least not today. You have multiple metaverses. You have the metaverse within Fortnite, you have it within Roblox, and you have it in different other uh, setup settings. But the interesting part going forward is that the NFTs are actually transferable between different metaverses. Hampus, did you want to add something? Yeah, and thinking of in metaverse, we don't really know what it'll be in the future. We get some ideas and you, you visit a website or you've been part of a game yourself and see what you can do. You buy a power-up, you buy a skin, you buy different items. But the metaverse will be much bigger. There will be a lot of new business opportunities within the metaverse, new places to meet and trade. And uh, it could be very difficult to keep control of the right you have. And this is why it is important for customers of us to, to consider this for the strategy going forward. There are business opportunities and there are risks. And this needs to be included in the strategy. Okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about how businesses can use and profit from NFTs uh, and what does it mean to buy and sell such an asset. I know we've spoken a little bit before about a client of yours that you gave some advice to in this. Can you tell me a bit more, Thomas? Yeah, you, you can take one example with, uh, with a luxury brand. They have uh, articles, of course, that they sell on the high street. Uh, they also have online sales. And uh, basically what they would look into in the metaverse and the NFTs applicable within the metaverse would be uh, interacting with, uh, for instance, uh, some of uh, the game producers. Uh, should they go into Fortnite? Should they take it even further? Should they set up their own virtual stores so the customers could essentially buy uh, the NFT as a fashion item to wear uh, in the metaverse? 
Initially, it was out of fear of missing out, you can say. That was what they came to us uh, with. And they were considering uh, what would they need to do in uh, the defensive perspective. Uh, so they, they wanted to be, uh, be on the safe side. Nobody should take advantage of their, of their brands and, and their, their products alignment. That was one perspective. And the other one was, of course, the commercial one. Could they actually cash in on this one uh, to some degree? I wonder, though, what's your, um, what's your sense so far, Hampus, about where most people are seeking protection in the NFT space? Is it mainly defensive at this stage, or do you think many brands do have a sort of strategy in place? I don't think that many companies have considered this properly yet. We've been in the digitalized world for quite some time, so in other aspects, companies have developed perhaps a digital brand strategy or how to deal with infringements online or how to get the best business opportunities online. But the NFT is still a new scene. And um, if we look at the, the process, we have an underlying asset and that is protected by IP law. And then we have the minting of the NFT. And it basically means that you have an underlying asset which you mint and then it's on the blockchain and it becomes unique. And that is something that is dealt with mostly by a marketplace and there is a contract in place. And then you, when you put it on sales on the marketplace, you will also have a contract regarding the sale. And then you come to the use of the NFT. And that is also governed by a contract and law. So there are many different stages. And this is where I think that a lot of company perhaps struggles because they don't see the full picture yet. What are the challenges in protecting these assets and are traditional methods like copyright and trademark available? Thomas. The law has existed for a number of years and 100 years even. And you look at copyrights, they are actually applicable even from the outset. It's an intangible asset that you protect. It needs to be, you can say, unique in the way that, that it has been developed. It may be a fashion item. It may be music. It may be a work of art. And in addition, looking at the traditional perspective, we will take the trademarks. We also rely on designs, either registered or unregistered. And that's basically the classical approach. But um, on the side of that, due to the very nature of the NFT, you will be able to actually put in conditions how to use the NFT, how to set it on, and actually also set up a cycle of sales in the way that you will get some kind of license fee. So from that perspective, the NFTs as such have their own setting and their own legal framework due to the, due to the nature of uh, how you create it. So I may not be along the right lines here, but we've heard of cyber squatting where um, a third party will register a domain name featuring a registered trademark. Could that be, could NFT squatting be a thing? We definitely see the potential and also the real risk of NFT squatting, to use that word. And uh, as we are used to with other platforms, social media platforms, but also marketplaces, it will have some terms and conditions that will be applicable when you interact with them. And that also applies to the NFT squatters. So if you very clearly include the Coca-Cola uh, logo, then you'll be able to, as Coca-Cola, approach this, this platform. We have OpenSea, that's one of uh, the most predominant ones. And basically just have them take down this specific NFT offering as it contains the IP of Coca-Cola. So that's one way to interact with it and, and act with it. But one of uh, the main challenges today 
is how to actually uncover this. And traditionally, we have monitoring tools in place, both the very traditional ones, where you look for applications, at trademark offices, uh, domain names. And then you have the monitoring perspective, where you are used to monitoring, for instance, marketplaces, the internet, and what have you. And to some degree, the internet monitoring will still be able to pick up on NFTs. But otherwise, it's still some new ground that you need to be covered and to define here. So basically, it's very expensive today to set up an NFT monitoring, and it's not that comprehensive. So from, from that perspective alone, you really need to consider how you should go about monitoring for infringement and act on it. Uh, yes, Hampus. But we should also consider that the technology that is being developed right now can also be applied on this new technology. So there are better methods of scanning the internet, just as well as we are monitoring infringements online for our clients. The big platforms will also be in a position to scan their own platforms to secure that there are less infringements. So, so I actually believe that the NFT as a technology could present some risk for IP owners, but at the same time, the technology is developing, so we will also have a tool for uh, beating this. Do those platforms have sort of very clearly defined IP policies in place, or you know, like we see with the likes of Amazon and Alibaba, where their policies are, on paper at least, clearly defined, or, or is it, as with so much of things to do with NFTs, is, a bit of a, is it a bit of a wild west? If you look at the terms and condition of some of these marketplaces, they are they don't, don't take any responsibility at all for uh, IP infringements. On many of these sites, they don't do any background checks. It doesn't scan if, if you are the owner of the trademark or, or copyright. So it's going to be a, a huge problem and you need to monitor it. And uh, since some of these marketplaces are still quite young, they have put it in text to do takedowns, but... They are not as developed as if we look at Amazon and you have Amazon brand registry and, and other e-commerce sites, which enables you to take uh, preventive steps as a brand owner. But probably it's a matter of time because there is, there's a learning experience from other e-commerce sites and there are also a lot of legislation on their way. For example, within the European Union, we have a Digital Service Act, it would place a liability on, on platforms and intermediaries. And when we look at the process when they have discussed the act in the EU, there have been proposals for requirements on platform owners to scan the content. So in the future, it's not unlikely that there will be some kind of mandatory scanning to, to do due diligence when you're selling the NFTs. It will take some time, but I, I think that these marketplaces will mature as well and have much better measures to take down infringing items. Are there any other um, specific takedown methods, Thomas? The way that it has been set up is that you are the recorded owner of the NFT, and it's you who acts with the NFT. So if you would go by the regular courts and you would sue people to have the NFT destroyed, it's not possible to destroy it as such, but you have uh, the concept of burning, where you actually destroy the wallet where it belongs to. So it's taking off uh, the grid. You can't get a court order where you can go to the minting provider or OpenSea and actually have the NFT handed out and destroyed. You can't order the marketplace to destroy it. 
you will actually ultimately have to order uh, the owner of, of the NFT and have him or her actually act in the way that you have ordered by the court. So um, to some, some degree, this is traditional. Uh, but, but on the other hand, you have challenges because you can't just have the bailiff's court, for instance, act on your behalf in line with the ruling. I was thinking in terms of NFT squatters, whether they could get around it with um, fake email addresses or, or bogus contact details and, and whether that would um, add to the difficulty of finding the original owner. Yeah, you can say there can be issues here as well if people give wrong information or willfully wrong information. So if you can't backtrack to, you can say, the real owner because it was a proxy or scam actually, then you will have the same or face the same issues that you will have with the domain names. But otherwise, it should be traceable due to the very nature of the blockchain. So, so from that perspective, we should be better off as right holders or people enforcing on behalf of the right holders. Hampus, you mentioned briefly there the Digital Services Act. Is there any signs or, or any comfort for IP owners that legislation will catch up with the new um, phenomenon of NFTs? We have a couple of years ahead of us where it could be a little bit like the Wild West, like the early days of domain names and cyber squatters. And it's a bit of a gold rush. And, and uh, for those who, who were there when the domain name was brought to the market, you could see that people registered everything and uh, and some of those persons made a lot of money as well so so there will be a lot of opportunists out there and until legislation and the practices of and the marketplaces becomes more regulated as a brand owner or an ip owner you really need to to monitor and make sure that you you have this under control because it can explode quite rapidly but uh, having this said I, I i'm very comfortable looking to the future, because I, I do believe that the legislation will catch up. And I do think that the court will be able to adapt the existing rules to these new situations. Perhaps not as fast as we'd like to see, but, but they will do their best. And it is actually up to us and our, our, our clients to uh, take actions and, and uh, drive this practice forward. Thank you both very much for, for setting some light on these, these new territories. Thank you as well. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you again to the team at Zacco for this collaboration. We'll be back with a second episode with them, where we'll focus on patents and the G119 ruling from the EPO. If that's something you're interested in, make sure to subscribe to the MIP podcast so you don't miss it. You can find all other episodes on our website, managingip.com. Thanks for listening.